So tonight we're continuing preaching on the gifts of the Spirit within our series on the Holy Spirit. When did we start the series? Anyone? It was April? March? April? It's been a while. <laughs> Michael says 2014. No, I think it's, it's in, in the 15 calendar year, but we've been on it for a while. Um, and if there's ever a series to take your time on, it's learning about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is awesome, and He is powerful, and He is wonderful. And so uh, we're, we're now talking about the gifts of the Spirit. These gifts, I gave this description last week, these gifts are God's gift to the body of Christ given for the purpose of establishing Jesus Christ as Lord. Guys, when we operate in the gifts of the Spirit, Jesus Christ is glorified. The world sees that Jesus Christ is Lord. The church sees that Jesus Christ is Lord and, and using us in establishing His reign in His Lordship. As we learn about these gifts, we should always remember that gifts, that they're from God and, and that they're God's grace freely given and not earned. The gifts of the Spirit are not a sign of our maturity. The gifts of the Spirit are not a sign of our growth. They're not. They're given by God, freely given to whom He wants, for whatever situation He needs them impacted by those gifts. Whether you're a child, whether you're an adult, they're not a sign of our status in the Lord. Tonight I'm teaching on the Word of Wisdom. And as we focus on this topic, the word of wisdom. I want us to focus on the correct word. Next week, when I preach on uh, the word of knowledge, I want us to focus on the correct word. And that's not the word word. It's wisdom. Word of wisdom. Word of knowledge. And I say that because too many times when it comes to the word of wisdom or the word of knowledge, we, we limit God into this little spiritual gift box. And we limit God in how He uses that gift. I think most Christians who, who operate in the gifts of the Spirit and believe and embrace the gifts of the Spirit, most Christians, if they're honest, they think the word of the wisdom, the word of wisdom, is it fits into this box and it's most often supposed to be done in the gathering of the saints. It's an element of our church service. When people complain about church and not giving the Holy Spirit freedom, that's one of those things. Well, you know, they don't, they don't allow the gifts. Oh, they don't allow the gifts. So they can only be used in the parameters of when. Well, not the first third of the service. Not the first third of worship. First third of the worship, we should, you know, we can, you know, hold our tongue. But from the second third of worship on, that's our window of opportunity until the preacher gets up to preach. That's our window for a word of wisdom. Friends, that is not true. If we think that there's this small window of opportunity to let the gifts of the Spirit we use, we are missing it. If we think that the gifts of the Spirit are just for the body of Christ, we are missing it. The gifts of the Spirit should be done in the service. They should be given free reign in the Spirit. And and praise God, this is a church that embraces the things of the Spirit and embraces godly order and it's beautiful. I love it. But friends, the gifts of the Spirit should be manifest and demonstrated outside to a world who needs to see that the Holy Spirit is real. 
If we only use the gifts of the Spirit here, what the heck are we doing? They need to be used outside these walls. Too often we make these powerful gifts about a rarely seen demonstration. It shouldn't be rare. It shouldn't be a rare instance that we flow in the word of wisdom. That we flow in the fullness of the anointing of God's wisdom. It should be on display to the world where God's wisdom and knowledge are most needed by us in sharing the word. Friends, I need his wisdom here, but every one of us needs that wisdom out there as we are leading people to Christ. As we are touching them with a touch from God, how he wants to touch them. I think that's a key thing I just said. How he wants to touch him. We're going to see how Jesus flowed in the word of wisdom. And how he deferred to the Father and how he wanted Jesus to touch him. How he wanted Jesus to respond. God, when, when we come together, let's, talk, let's shift back now to this context of when we're in service. When we're here together, God wants to do some pretty awesome things every time. Every time. But friends, it matters how we do it. Not just what we do. And when our hearts are vulnerable and bare to the Holy Spirit, He speaks to us about how the Father wants to have His way, how He wants to touch, how He wants to speak. And it's always better letting Him do it how He wants to do it. Not just that that He gets His way, but that He gets His way and how He does it as well. Uh, Michael, can you come up for a second? Let's say God wants Michael to know how much he loves him. And so I'm like, and I get that word, okay? And I, and I get that word from the Lord. I get a word of wisdom that the, the Father wants Michael to know that he's loved. And I'm like, okay, Lord, then I'm going to go tell him, Michael, you're loved by the Lord. And he's like, no, 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 that's not how I want to do it. God's ways always make a bigger difference. Okay, so Lord, how do you, you want to do it then? He's like, I, I want you to go show him that he's loved. You don't have to say a word. He's going to know it. As I'm doing this, he's going to know. The word of wisdom yields to how God wants to do it as well. That we have the wisdom of how he wants to express that message he wants to get across. Too often we're so busy. I'm just going to keep you here with me. This is. We're so busy to just be quick to just do those things without saying, Lord, how do you want to do it? When do you want to do it? Like, I want you to wait until right after the service. What about now, Lord? Spirit is so sweet in the midst of worship. Now I want you to wait until after the service. We yield to God's wisdom. We will never be disappointed. And God will always be glorified. Thank you for thank you for the hug. God loves you, Michael. So tonight I want to, I want to communicate the bigness of the word of wisdom. I want to communicate the bigness of it. In fact, I think of the gifts of the Spirit. This is probably one. That it, it's my opinion. I don't have scripture to back this up. This is one I think that should be probably one that the church, and I pray that Impact Church would be exemplified, that it just freely flows through the believers. Word of wisdom. And it's not just a word of wisdom, 
It's the uttering of wisdom. That's one of the translations. It's that if there's an utterance of wisdom, a word of wisdom, it's communicating the wisdom of God. Let's jump into 1 Corinthians 12. We're going to read verses 4 through 8. It says, Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all and every one. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit. The literal Greek for this utterance of wisdom, word of wisdom, is logos sophias, word of wisdom. The wisdom of God is communicated with succinct and precise clarity. I want to say it again. The wisdom of God is communicated with succinct and precise clarity. We don't have to be ornate and flowery in communicating the wisdom of God. I look at Jesus and the ways that he responded in God's wisdom. And more often than not, it was it was succinct. It was clear. When he when he spoke in parables, it was clear what he was talking about. I can only see one parable that he explained, and even that was clear what he was talking about. But that was on the topic of forgiveness. But just in case that people were dense in the crowd, he's like, Let me explain this one. If you don't forgive, this is how my Father in Heaven will treat you. Got it? That's the only one that he explained. The rest of them, and even that, he didn't have to. We got it. You you go to Matthew and read that parable. You get it. Clear and succinct. This gift isn't necessarily given for permanent possession and for regular manifestation by one particular Christian. It could mean that. But it's far more likely meaning is to focus on God meeting the need of a particular situation by equipping a particular member of the body with this gift for that particular situation. So, a lot of times we get very possessive with the gifts of the Spirit. And they stop becoming the gifts of the Spirit. And they become my gift. Oh, my gift. Oh, I flew in this. Oh, what about the others? It doesn't matter. I have my gift. They're the gifts of the Spirit. And what I said was, the gift isn't necessarily given for permanent possession and for regular manifestation by one particular Christian. God does not want a bunch of Christian rock stars, a bunch of Christian um, militia that we bring in for a, a, a specific purpose. And I say that knowing that we bring in people here who've got prophetic anointings and, and even walk in that office of the prophetic. We bring them in because there's power in, in giving room to that. We want there to be prophecy and we, you know, it's powerful. But it's not supposed to be just, you know, um, a bunch of Christian rock stars is the best way I can put it where it's like, yeah, this is my gift. I'm, I'm, I'm a prophet. I'm prophet Mark. You guys, I'm, I'm pastor to you right now and that is a gift. That's a gift that Jesus gave to the church. We were discussing that before the service. But you know what? When I go off to a men's advance in Tahoe, I don't necessarily just bring 
I'm not representing the gift of being a pastor at that point. I flow in the function of however God wants to use me in that setting. When I was up in Tahoe for that men's advance, I flowed in the function of the apostolic. There were things I did that were clearly apostolic. Strengthening the church, encouraging the church, sent from here to there to, to, to flow in that function. I clearly flowed in a function of the evangelistic. And, in the, and I got to teach one message, and I, and I flowed in a function of teaching. But what if I'm like, hi everybody, uh, I'm Pastor Mark, and my function today is pastoral. Then I'm putting God in a box. The, the function that I am when I'm away from here is however God wants to use me. I used the example last week. I could stand up here and I can give my preach. And for some of you, there's exhortation. You received this exhortation. For others of you, it was confirmation to the prophetic. So even in me speaking, it was, it was the prophetic. And for others, you know, it, it's teaching. The same words, the same words, but it's received as a gift from different people. Why? Because that is our God. Our God wants each one of us, the Holy Spirit wants each one of us to receive something personalized based on what you need at that moment. Does that make sense? And I said, just to to repeat, because there was a question. The far more likely meeting is to focus on God meeting a particular need by equipping a particular member with this gift for that particular situation. Any of us can be used with these things that that the Lord has given. I think a lot of times we don't step out in faith. A lot of times we allow fear to keep us from moving in these things of the Holy Spirit. Or we think God will use the rock stars to do it. Guys, there aren't... No. We don't believe in the Christian rock stars. Unless, like, all of us can be rock stars. I mean, I don't know. I mean, we're called to do it together. When the wisdom of God is supernaturally communicated with succinct and precise clarity, such a word of wisdom will shed light on one confused situation, it'll bring perspective on another situation. It'll provide an undeniable experience of God's power in another. In in 1 Kings 3, we see that Solomon demonstrated this spiritual outpouring when confronted with two women laying claim to a baby. And the unusual words that demonstrated the wisdom of God were these. Divide the living child in two. This was the wisdom that came forth. Divide the living child in two. Give half to this woman and half to this woman. That was the word of wisdom that came forth. 1 Corinthians one twenty-five, Paul reminds the Corinthians of this. He says, The foolishness of God is wider than, wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. We see this fully on display in Solomon's application of God's wisdom in this event. And what was the result? How did this... Maybe you're not familiar with this story. How does, how does this event end? Still in 1 Kings 3, verse 26, Then the woman whose son was alive said to the king, because her heart yearned for her son, O oh my Lord, 
Give her the living child, and by no means put him to death. But the other said, He shall be neither mine nor yours. Divide him. Then the king answered and said, Give the living child to the first woman, and by no means put him to death, for she is his mother. And all Israel heard the judgment that the king had rendered, and they stood in awe of the king, because they perceived that the wisdom of God was in him to do justice. There is no folly in God. There is no weakness in God. There's only strength. There's only wisdom. But I love that the folly of God is beyond the wisdom of men. There's things in operating in the word of wisdom that we seem to do that we've got to realize it's not the wisdom of man. It's, it's the word of wisdom of God. There's things that, that the Lord may at times ask us to do or communicate a certain way. But we've got to trust His wisdom. Jesus himself was constantly revealing the gifts of the Spirit in his ministry. Did you guys know that Jesus walked in the gifts of the Spirit? That Jesus was anointed in the gifts of the Spirit and flowed in the gifts of the Spirit? Examples can be seen in the way he conducted himself when his opponents were trying to lure him into contradicting himself or speaking contrary to the meaning of God's law. I loved I loved Jesus' use of the counter-question. It's fascinating. Especially when you think about that counter question being a tool used in the utterance of wisdom. So we're going to read just three examples of Jesus flowing in a word of wisdom. Luke 13, 10 through 17. Luke 13, 10 through 17. Now he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. And behold, there was a woman who had had a disabling spirit for 18 years. She was bent over and could not fully straighten herself. When Jesus saw her, he called her over and said to her, Woman, you are freed from your disability. And he laid his hands on her, and immediately she was made straight, and she glorified God. But the ruler of the synagogue, indignant because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath, said to the people, said this to the people, this is hilarious, there are six days in which work ought to be done. Come on those days and be healed, and not on the Sabbath. That is ridiculous. Then the Lord answered him. I love this. Because it says he answered him. Singular. You hypocrites. Plural. Does not each of you on the Sabbath untie his ox or his donkey from the manger and lead it away to water it? And ought not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan bound for 18 years, be loosed from this bond? On the Sabbath day? As he said these things, all his adversaries were put to shame, and all the people rejoiced at all the glorious things that were done by him. Jesus flowing in the utterance of wisdom. I love the fact that Jesus rarely answered their questions, except with the question What do you think, Jesus? What do you think? Next example, Luke 14, 1 through 6. One Sabbath, when he went to dine at the house of a ruler of the Pharisees, they were watching him carefully. And behold, there was a man before him who had dropsy. Um, do you guys know what dropsy is? Um, dropsy is what Demarius Thomas had against the Colts last year <laughs> in the AFC Championship game. 
Um, I don't know how this brother had it here in the Word, but praise God, uh, we've been praying for Demarius, and Jesus healed him, so he don't got dropsy no more. Um, back to the Word of God, Holy Spirit. Thank you. Come back. Um, and behold, there was a man before him who had dropsy. And Jesus responded to the lawyers and Pharisees, saying, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath or not? But they remained silent. Then he took him and healed him and sent him away. And he said to them, Which of you, having a son or an ox? That's interesting. I don't know which one they related to more. You know, the, the application of it being their son or the application of it being their ox. But Jesus said, Which of you, having a son or an ox that has fallen into a well on a Sabbath day, will not immediately pull him out? And they could not reply to these things. Friends, when we are operating in our own wisdom, no matter how well articulated or how wonderful we think we've presented it, there's always something that people can respond to. There's always ways they can retort. When we are flowing in the wisdom of God and the utterance of wisdom, that's the result they see. But I, uh, why? Because when we're responding in the utterance of wisdom that comes from God that is anointed of the Holy Spirit, there's power in it, friends. There's power in it. God is always glorified. The opportunity is always there for, maybe not always, maybe that's not fair, is most often opportunity is there for more ministry. Because they've seen something, they've experienced something. Not your wisdom, not your persuasive words, not my persuasive words, but the wisdom of God. Luke 20, 20. So they watched him, and they sent spies who pretended to be sincere, that they might catch Jesus in something he said, so as to deliver him up to the authority and jurisdiction of the governor. So they asked him, Teacher, these are the spies pretending to be sincere, Teacher, we know that you speak and teach rightly and show no partiality, but truly teach the way of God. Is it lawful for us to give tribute to Caesar or not? But Jesus perceived their craftiness. So I want to—I'll uh, probably bring this up later. What's he flowing in right here? He perceived their craftiness, discernment, discerning of spirits, discerning of of what is God and what is ungodly. So Jesus flows in the discerning of spirits. He perceived their craftiness and said to them. Show me a denarius. Whose likeness and inscription does it have? They said, Caesar's. He said to them, Then render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God's. And they were not able in the presence of the people to catch him in what he said, but marveling at his answer, they became silent. You guys, we see so many instances of Jesus flowing in the gifts of the Spirit, but especially especially in utterance of wisdom. In Luke 2, we see that even as a child, that Jesus grew in maturity and he became strong. And the word says that Jesus was filled with wisdom and the favor of God was upon him. Friends, when we grow in maturity, when we grow in the Lord, when we are in his presence, when our life is submitted to the Father, which Jesus' life was, you guys, we, 
we grow in wisdom. We, we receive the things of God, His wisdom, not our wisdom. And there might be, not be any better sign of favor than God's wisdom. said it before, the uttering of God's wisdom I believe should be the dominant gift of the spirit that we operate in. Because our identity is in Jesus who is the wisdom of God. Jesus is the wisdom of God. And that's when we give our lives to Christ, we take on his identity. And that is who he is. Speaking of word of wisdom, as we may traditionally know it, is vital and reveals Jesus as Lord. What do I what do I mean by that? You know, as we traditionally know it, you know, we're praying over somebody in the church service, usually, and it's hey, the Lord's giving me a word, you know, and, and you, we speak that word of wisdom. It's vital. It's needed. Small part of huge gift. Small part of bigness of God. If, if a word of wisdom encourages a mature saint in the Lord, how much more so do you think it will encourage someone who is crying out for any sign that there's a God that loves him? Let's stop making that gift about the service and make it about the service. The service to our King. Any Christian who has been growing steadily in, in Christ who is the wisdom of God, is what Colossians 2.3 says. He's the wisdom of God. And whom God has made our wisdom, read 1 Corinthians 1.30, could and should be regularly used to speak wise words. The huge majority. Huge majority. I mean, ridiculously huge majority, I'd say, in my experience, and this is from my experience, high 90% of believers who get baptized in the Holy Spirit speak in tongues. It's the rarity when I hear someone that's baptized in the Holy Spirit that, that never speaks in tongues. It's a huge majority. Friends, it is a huge majority of us that get baptized in the Holy Spirit and, and are just hungering for the things of the Lord that, that we flow in words of wisdom. A lot of times we disqualify ourselves and so we don't flow in it. Or we hesitate, or we just think God's going to use someone else. The wisdom of God is Jesus Christ, and He lives in you. So, friends, let's not disqualify ourselves or our little ones as not being wise enough to bring a word of wisdom. How many of you guys have gotten a word of wisdom from your kids? You just didn't know it at the time. I'm serious. I'm totally serious. The Lord's like, maybe they'll listen to me. Honey, say this. Mommy, da 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 da. Daddy. The word of wisdom gives us the skill in knowing how and when to minister accurately by the Holy Spirit into people's lives. It makes the timing right and it enables the other gifts to make a significant impact. It's, it's this wonderful chain reaction that usually occurs. We speak with the wisdom of God. 
oftentimes, oftentimes, that there's a word of knowledge that comes forth with it also. I think that once we're yielded and once we're in obedience, once we, once we open this up and, and we just start letting him flow, he's just like, okay. And he just starts flowing. Oftentimes there's prayer, there's ministry, there's a communicating of what God has, the way he wants it. And then it doesn't end there. As we see in the word of God, when Jesus was done ministering to somebody, did it end there with that person? Most often, they left that place and went telling everybody about what Jesus had done. Talk about the chain reaction of just of obedience and faith. Let's not disqualify ourselves as unwise. The wisdom of God is not about mistakes we've made. The wisdom of God is not about our fiscal responsibility. The wisdom of God is not about our maturity. Let's be used of the Lord. Let's identify when the Lord is speaking and and let's respond in the ways that He wants to touch other people. Sometimes it's not just to let them know that He's loved. He wants that to be a demonstration that they're loved. Sometimes it's not just that He's bigger than this sickness. He wants there to be a demonstration, a specific demonstration so that that sickness is defeated right there on that spot in accordance with the completed work of Jesus.